The Avengers. That's what we call ourselves. Sort of like a team. Earth's mightiest heroes type thing. Avengers, time to work for a living. That's my secret. I'm always angry. I am on the side of life. You get hurt, hurt him back. You get killed, walk it off. I'm here to talk to you about the Avenger Initiative. I'm your host, Andrew, and I'm here to talk to you about the Avengers. Welcome to episode 23 of Some Assembly Required, your weekly adventure into the annals of Earth's mightiest heroes, the Avengers. This week, we're taking a look at Avengers number 21, The Bitter Taste of Defeat. This issue is written by Stan Lee, pencils by Don Heck, inks by Wally Wood, and letters by Art Simic, and it comes to us in October of 1965. So, as covers go, this one's not bad. Uh, Again, Power Man, much like Swordsman two issues ago, is nice front and center. And this time we have the Avengers kind of off in the background in a very uh, defeated posture. You know, fitting of the title of the issue, The Bitter Taste of Defeat. It's a little misleading because, you know, comic covers are never misleading. But it's a little misleading in the fact that it looks like Power Man has physically beaten the Avengers down and kind of trashed the area. As we'll see, the reality is that's really not what he does. So our issue opens with Hawkeye doing a little bit of housekeeping on some of the Avengers equipment. Apparently a fuse has blown, and so he's just going and replacing the fuse. Only Captain America comes by, sees him doing this, and gets kind of spun up over it. Cap tells Hawkeye that only Tony Stark is allowed to maintain and adjust this equipment because it's his equipment. Hawkeye says, hey, look, it's just a fuse. It's it's not a big deal. Given all of the existing tension that has been bubbling between the two of them, what is a fairly innocuous confrontation almost immediately blows out of proportion to the point where Hawkeye is actually drawing a bead with his bow on Captain America. Cap basically says, bring it. Cap actually says, okay, Hawkeye, I guess it's time that I taught you that your junior Robin Hood kit doesn't give you the right to throw your weight around. Cap and Hawkeye are absolutely ready to throw down. Only Quicksilver manages to intervene. Now, this is interesting because typically we think of Quicksilver as very impulsive, kind of a hothead, and it's interesting to see him in a position where he really is kind of the calming effect on the team. He's the he's the cool, collected one, right? He still has the desire to be the leader of the team, but instead of a lot of bluster and bravado, threatening Cap, things like that, Quicksilver is doing his best to actually act like a leader. It's kind of the idea of dressing for the job you want, not the job you have. In this case, Quicksilver is acting like he he should be the leader so that in the future, he can be the leader. It's not a terrible plan. Of course, after Quicksilver breaks up the escalating fight, Hawkeye and Wanda get into it a little bit. In response, Wanda blasts Hawkeye with a hex. I mean, she she nails him pretty solidly here. At which point, Cap steps in and says, no, that, you know, that was really over the line. We're all Avengers here. Now Cap's getting into confrontation with Quicksilver. The reality here is that they're getting on each other's nerves, but more than that, they've got kind of a weird dynamic polar opposite dichotomy going on here. In one instance, they're at each other's throats, right? Cap and Hawkeye are about to throw down over a fuse. 
and then a moment later, Cap is saying, no, no, you shouldn't have done that because he he's an Avenger. Well, why doesn't that apply to what was just going on with, between you two, Cap? Cap is definitely the leader of this team. However, he doesn't always act like it. He definitely acts like an overprotective parent at times, and he's bossy, but I don't know that that necessarily qualifies as Cap always acting like the leader. But at this point, the Avengers decide to, you know, go ahead and call it a night, see maybe sleep off their differences, basically. At which point, we cut to South America. Specifically, we cut to Zemo's South American headquarters, which we haven't seen in about six issues. It's about six months. You know, time in the Marvel Universe is a bit on the flexible side. You know, an issue comes out once a month, but as you'll see kind of in the future, issues don't necessarily happen just at one-month intervals in the internal chronology. But we find Baron Zemo's final henchman still living in the jungle and living in and around Zemo's headquarters. He's been here for a while, obviously. He's not leaving anytime soon because right there in the heart of the jungle, as we saw back in Avengers 16, there's no planes because Cap and Rick inadvertently blew up the good one. So here's a man who is basically living on the off the land as much as he can, but he's running out of ammunition. He's got an injured leg. So he's been trying to get into Zemo's laboratory because he knows that the equipment down there is what turned Simon Williams into Wonder Man. So he figures, hey, if it turned him into Wonder Man, I can totally use that equipment, give myself some powers and heal myself so I can get out of here. So while this is going on, we see that Enchantress is keeping an eye on what's been going on from some remote location. It's kind of undisclosed, probably New York City though not necessarily. She decides that this is an opportunity she wants to take advantage of, so she transports herself to Zemo's castle, tells this gentleman, hey, I was here when Zemo made Wonder Man. I can do the same thing for you. I know how this equipment works. I'm not exactly sure that Enchantress does, and actually in the future we will find out that she didn't fully understand what was going on because this gentleman, as he will come to be known, Power Man, doesn't have quite the same power set that Wonder Man has because the equipment actually needed to be fine-tuned to an individual's physique. So because the equipment wasn't tuned to this gentleman, he won't be as powerful as Wonder Man. But again, Enchantress says, no, I can I can give you what you want. So our willing victim, we'll call him, lays down, goes through the procedure, and comes out the other side doing pretty well. His leg is all healed, and he has a new set of powers. And of course, much like Wonder Man, as soon as he is done, Enchantress offers him a costume. The man's name is Eric Jostin. So what I love about Eric here is that he completely 100% thinks that everything that's going on here is super corny. He, he calls it cornball repeatedly, like the costume, the code name and all of that. He's just like, why, why, why do I need this? I, I just want to be me, but super awesome and powerful. And Enchantress basically says, no, 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 no. That's, that's not how this works. You, you need a name. And he goes, okay, fine. As long as it's better than Wonder Man. She goes, but it'll be better than Wonder Man. I got it. Power Man. Mr. Jostin says, well, it's still pretty corny, but okay, sure. Now that he has his powers, Enchantress says, you know, for months she has allied herself with Executioner. That hasn't really gone very well for her. So now she's going to ally herself with Power Man, and they're going to accomplish so much together. They're going to take down the Avengers. Now, Power Man doesn't have any particularly strong feelings one way or the other about the Avengers, but given the fact that 
and Chandris is telling him, you know, I really hate the Avengers. We should go after the Avengers. He's going, yeah, sure. If a woman as good looking as you is telling me something, I'm, yeah, whatever you want me to believe. Don't care. So as we move forward here, we actually get a little bit of a, what's called a special bullpen note. It says, thanks for your patience all this time. And now it'll be rewarded as we return to the Avengers. Remember them? That's Stan's way of recognizing that, yeah, we've had a little bit of a slow start to this issue. And we've introduced some guy that nobody cares about yet. But hey, we're getting back to the heroes you bought this book for. That It just amuses me a little bit, that's all. But we do, in fact, get back to the Avengers. And we find the Avengers are responding to an urgent call from the Teen Brigade, saying that there's a monster running around in downtown New York. Much like they always do, the Avengers swing into action, go to confront this monster head on. Only pretty much from the start here, things get a little, little weird. That's saying something because we're in a comic book. So Hawkeye decides to open this engagement with one of his blast arrows. Personally, I find that to be a little bit of an over overkill. But, you know, I'm not in this situation. Maybe, maybe it's not. So Hawkeye uses his blast arrow, only it passes right through the monster and blows up a car behind him. Now, to me, that says... Maybe we should take a moment and reassess what's going on because explosive arrows don't usually pass through things and then hit other things behind them. That's not normally something that happens. And I would expect the Avengers to know this because they've used this these blast arrows a lot. I actually kind of want to know like how many of these things Hawkeye has because they just they blow things up with arrows all the time here now. But needless to say, the Avengers don't really stop, don't really think about this. Hawkeye says, hey, my arrow just went through him. And they're like, oh, no, 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 you missed. Now, Hawkeye, Hawkeye goes, no, I, I didn't miss. You'll see. So then Scarlet Witch uses her hex powers to bring down a significant portion of a building on top of this monster. So if I thought the blast arrow was a little, a little bit of overkill before, bringing down a building... That's a lot of overkill. Again, especially because we don't actually know what's going on here, and Hawkeye's arrow went through the monster. Initially here, it looks like Wanda's hex worked. It, it did the trick, and the monster's been defeated. But only two panels later, the monster comes rising out of the rubble, at which point Cap uses his shield. Finally, when Cap's shield passes through the monster, that's the point at which they go, hey, something weird is going on here. Now, if it were me, I think the first volley should have been Cap's shield. And when it went right through the monster, that's the point at which we should have stopped and said something is weird. Not after the explosive arrow and a building collapse. And then the shield. Shield seems like a good measure of the situation here. So as the Avengers are now trying to figure out exactly what's going on, the police show up and right as the police do, the monster monster disappears. Now, for some reason, Hawkeye shoots off another blast arrow for good measure or something, but at that point, the monster's gone, so I don't know what the hell Hawkeye's doing. The police come, and they say, hey, what are you guys doing? Like, well, we're, we're fighting a monster. It disappeared. Do you, have you seen it? Do you, do you know where it went? No, the only thing we've got is a report that the Avengers are here in Midtown trashing the place. So at this point, Cap is kind of confused and, and he says he intends to figure out what's going on. And we, the reader, get to find out a little, er little early here in that we see Enchantress and Power Man looking down through a window to the area that the Avengers were just fighting this monster in. So at this point, it's pretty clear that the monster was in fact not real and that it was merely an illusion generated by the Enchantress. So this is really setting the tone and the direction for the rest of the book. We'll get into it in, in more detail here in just a moment, but from here out, we're basically getting a repeat of what's going on in that Enchantress and Power Man will set up some kind of trap for the Avengers to make themselves look bad. Though I will admit that several of these traps are fairly clever, I think. 
The Avengers return to their mansion after paying for all the damage they just caused. As they are sitting around the mansion, they intercept a radio transmission saying that there are damaged tracks on a subway and that someone is intending to make it look like the Avengers caused those damaged tracks. So Quicksilver rushes off to investigate and does in fact find damaged railroad tracks. Now, what he's not prepared for is Power Man waiting in the shadows, very Frankenstein looking, just the way his costume looks and and the play on the shadows. He's got a very Frankenstein's monster look to him for a moment there. But Power Man is waiting in the shadows for Quicksilver, jumps out, knocks Quicksilver out, and then runs off, just in time for the rest of the Avengers to show up, realize that a train is coming. Although the train is empty, it's still coming. It could either derail or people could be hurt. Certainly Quicksilver could be hurt because he's passed out on the railroad tracks right now. So Hawkeye breaks out yet more of his blast arrows, uses them to stop the oncoming train. Using blast arrows to stop an oncoming train, I don't know why that seems like a good plan. I guess if that's all you've got with you, like you come expecting to fight supervillains, you bring a bunch of blast arrows and then you've got to stop a train. Say, well, I've got blast arrows. This is what we're going to use. You know, when the only tool you've got is a hammer, everything looks like a nail, right? But once again, this is a trap. And the trap was not that the Avengers were going to get blamed for pulling up the tracks, but the Avengers this time got blamed for damaging the train car. And that was the plan all along. Enchantress even says, you know, she convinced people to leave the, the train car and then sent it flying off uncontrolled towards the Avengers, forcing them to act and do something they shouldn't do. So, like I said, some of these are really clever. It's not the obvious, hey, the Avengers damaged the tracks. That's actually the bait. It, It takes everything a step further, and I really like that. So, again, back at the Avengers Mansion, this time they've screwed up twice now, and this time Tony Stark has had to pay for the damages to the train. One thing that bugs me here in particular is we're really just reinforcing the team's dependency on Iron Man. Earlier in the issue, Captain America went off on Hawkeye because he was changing a fuse on Tony Stark's equipment that only Tony Stark was supposed to fix. Now, Tony Stark had to go pay for the Avengers problem. I realize Tony Stark is Iron Man and that Tony Stark is a, in this era, a millionaire, later billionaire. So he has the money to fix these kinds of problems, which the Avengers need. But much like they kept trying to bring Hulk back into the story, we're doing a little bit of that with Iron Man right now. Right, last issue we had the apparition of Iron Man, the, the the image, and we had an Iron Man villain, the Mandarin. Now we have Iron Man's equipment and Tony Stark is paying for things. Let's let the team breathe a little bit without being involved with the other Avengers for a little while. You know, we're not too far away from the return of Giant Man and Wasp. At that point, it'll be Goliath and Wasp. So I really want to see more of the team without the involvement of the old members. Unfortunately, throughout the next couple of issues, their presence will still be felt. And actually, in a lot of ways, it'll be through Cap's guilt. But I'd like to see the team moving forward more again. Now, speaking of Cap's guilt, the Avengers are starting to get at each other's throats again here. Right? They've had two really bad instances in the last couple of days instead of putting their heads together and trying to figure this out they're really going at the blame game especially hawkeye yeah it's one of the things i have yet to figure out why exactly hawkeye is insisting on pushing cap's buttons at one point scarlet witch actually calls him out and and says you're too cruel hawkeye captain america does not deserve such treatment from any of us In Hawkeye's speech bubble, he says, he's a big boy, he can speak for himself. But then in 
in his thought bubble, we get, she's right, but I'll be hanged if I'll admit it. So does Hawkeye actually think he should lead the Avengers or is he pushing Cap's buttons for a different purpose? Is he, is he just trying to get a rise out of him? Does he enjoy this in some kind of twisted fashion? I don't know at this point. It's getting a little old only because it's becoming very predictable. I don't mean that the writing is becoming very predictable. I mean that Hawkeye's behavior is getting a little old. So I'm, I'm looking forward i know in the next few issues we start moving forward a little bit from that and i'm looking forward to that i do also really like the art on this page the more i'm looking at this page the top of the page we've got enchantress very front and center with power man behind her and then at the bottom of the page we've got a very great talking heads between hawkeye and captain america and captain america looks really fantastic in that panel you know hawkeye is very got a very dark costume between the purple and and a lot of black shadowing doesn't look quite as good but man captain america in that panel looks just really really good so now we are on to our third setup of the issue it's the next day and we actually start with power man and enchantress which is a little bit different than the last two that we've seen them at the end in the last two as opposed to the beginning here but power man is throwing some kind of rock at a car and then he attacks the two guards inside the car okay it seems like a fairly villain kind of thing to do but then captain america shows up in a helicopter cap starts fighting with power man only to be brought down by power man with the help of enchantress messing with cap's senses what's really going on here though is that power man is actually stopping a robbery that he and enchantress contracted to have done they they arranged for this robbery and then power man stops them so when captain america goes after power man it really looks like captain america is on the side of the guys trying to rob this building so once again the avengers have been discredited now there's a couple of of interesting things here one i have yet to figure out why captain america is flying around in a helicopter in this particular area the dialogue doesn't really help because captain america doesn't really know why he's even there it's it's very unclear and yeah it bugs me it's a cool sequence. Uh, the fight between Captain America and Power Man is very cool. I like it a lot. But how this setup came to be just doesn't make a whole lot of sense. Now, the setup itself is actually pretty good, right? The whole fake, the whole setting up a robbery, then stopping it, and then making it look like Captain America is actually fighting against you. All very, very good. It's just the bringing the pieces together is a little bit untidy, we'll call it. So with Captain America now having really three strikes against him, Cap is basically you know calling it here at this point the mayor and city council are are up in arms against the avengers cap's just frustrated he, he needs to figure out what's going on and of course here is hawkeye once again pushing the buttons because that's what hawkeye does right now but despite the fact that hawkeye's been pushing cap's buttons hawkeye is interested in, in what's going on he decides to investigate some on his own and shows up at the mansion where Power Man is supposedly shacking up, only to find, in fact, Power Man ending up in a, well, questionable situation, which Power Man quickly turns the tables on Hawkeye. Of course, while this is going on, Scarlet Witch and Quicksilver have been out at the theater, and as they part company, Quicksilver claims that he is off to run some errands, both Quicksilver and Scarlet Witch make their way to the same mansion. So now we have three of four Avengers showing up at this mansion unannounced and attempting to fight Power Man 
which doesn't go very well for any of them. When I say Power Man turned the tables on Hawkeye, I mean that in a very literal sense in that Power Man throws a table at Hawkeye. Once he's taking care of Hawkeye, he manages to fairly quickly take care of Quicksilver by taking him out with a pressurized water hose, a water pipe really. He reaches in the ground, rips out a a pressurized water pipe, and aims it at at Quicksilver, the resultant hit from a pressurized water source getting flung across the yard of this mansion takes him out and as scarlet witch prepares to engage power man she is instead engaged by the police because shockingly the avengers are trespassing that's right this mansion is private property the villains call the cops on our heroes i'm a big fan of the venture brothers there's an episode called the trial of the monarch and there's a great line in there where dr venture mentions that had he known he could have just called the cops on the costume villains that keep harassing him he said i would have done that years ago that's what this feels like oh wait i can just call the cops on these guys okay i guess that works however with the avengers having trespassed and harassed the occupants of this mansion this is the last straw for city council and for the mayor and so they get a legal court order saying that the avengers must disband and with this bad news is where we will leave this issue so the avengers are either choosing to disband or to work illegally but at the they really are, at least as far as we have seen, at th- at their low point. You know, Captain America even comments on it. He says, when I took command of the Avengers, we were at the height of their power, their prestige, their fame, and now look what I've done. So when I mentioned the next couple of issues, we see the influence of the other Avengers through Cap's guilt. This is what I'm talking about. And, you know, Cap's going to struggle with that for the next few issues. When he took over the team, when the other Avengers left, they were this amazing group at the height of their fame and, and their power and they were doing all this good work and now through a few missteps by cap the avengers are being told by the government by the courts they have to disband overall what do i think here it's not a bad issue i enjoy it you know there are some problems but i like the way they're going about taking the avengers down a a few pegs we've seen a lot of either attempt to destroy the avengers from within or try and brute force beat down the avengers we've seen very few plots that have any amount of subtlety probably the only other one that i can think of is when the avengers face off against count nefaria there was a fair deal of subtlety there though even nefaria's plan was fairly grand right involved a lot of other people doing his dirty work to take the avengers down physically in this plot the avengers really aren't defeated physically power man does very little fighting instead they force the avengers into situations where they destroy their own reputation or at least it appears that they do so. It's also worth noting that this is going to be the last appearance of the Teen Brigade. Now, I realize the Teen Brigade didn't really appear in the issue, but as far as the Avengers go, this is the last time we will hear at all from our teens. Uh, When it comes to the art in this book, it's frequently very spot on, especially when we get close-ups of faces. Even just look at this last page here. You know, when you're looking at kind of more group shots, you know, the faces are a little less detailed but you've got enchantress the mayor and you've got captain america all with fairly good facial close-ups and they all look really good i think the mayor in particular captain america on this one is very good too i think the one earlier was a little bit better but the mayor looks really good in this one although i really want to know what's with marvel colorists 
and guys with the graying temples. This is very much a thing. J. Jonah Jameson has it. Mr. Fantastic has it. This mayor has it. Count Nefaria had it. Like, we've seen this all over the place. Admittedly, to an extent, Stan Lee also has this. But seriously, this is everywhere in the Marvel Universe. To be a person of any kind of prominence, is this like some kind of requirement that I missed? Maybe? I, I don't know. This is a, a pretty solid issue. We get a good cliffhanger at the end, and the next issue is going to be a lot of fun as well. Remember, you can find us at AvengersAssembly.com. You can follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And you can find this podcast on iTunes, SoundCloud, and YouTube. If you'd like to be a part of the conversation, send your questions and comments to Andrew at AvengersAssembly.com. Next week, we're going to be taking a look at Avengers number 22, The Road Back. All right, hey. All right, good job, guys. Let's just not come in tomorrow. Let's just take a day. Have you ever tried shawarma? There's a shawarma joint about two blocks from here. I don't know what it is, but I want to try it.